Hallelujah. Luke 7, and we'll look at verses 11 through 17. You'll remember this story when we get there. Luke 7, verse 11 through 17. I assume if you're standing, you have it. So let's go ahead and begin the reading. Ready, read. Now it happened the day after that he went into a city called Nain, and many of his disciples went with him in a large crowd. And when he came near the gate of the city, Behold, a dead man was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the city was with her. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, Do not weep. Then he came and touched the open coffin, and those who carried him stood still. And he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. So he who was dead sat up and began to speak. And he presented him to his mother. Then fear came upon all, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has risen up among us, and God has visited his people. And this report about him went through all Judea and all the surrounding region. I want you to know that in verse 11 it said that many of his disciples went with him and a large crowd. Then in verse uh, 12 uh, it says, And she was a widow, and a large crowd from the city was with her. So notice two large crowds here. Then it says in verse 17, and this report, out, this report about him went throughout all Judea and all the surrounding regions. Tonight I'm talking on the subject, running with the right crowd. Running with the right crowd. Thank you, Father, tonight for the word of God that we're about to receive. I pray that, God, you speak to our hearts from heaven. I pray, Father, that, Lord, you, you give us ease of preaching. Ease of preaching, ease of teaching tonight, oh God, let your anointing be upon me, upon your people, those that are here, those that are tuned in online, those who will be tuned in later on, on rebroadcast. I pray that every person would glean something powerful from the word of God tonight, we pray in Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. and amen. All right, let me first say this is not the message I was going to preach on Sunday. I'm, the message from Sunday, I'm going to preach on this coming Sunday, okay? I'm going to preach that on this coming Sunday, praise the Lord. Now, so we're talking about running with the right crowd. Every one of us at some point or another has run with the wrong crowd. Every one of us. I don't care if you were born on the altar like me, born the Holy Ghost filled parents like I was, or you were born to, uh, you know, rough riders. <laughs> Every one of us at some point ran with the wrong crowd. Some of us ran with the drug crowd or the alcoholic drinking crowd. Anybody, you know this drinking crowds. You know that, right? You go and you sit in, in the park. They just sit in the park and drink or sit in the back alley and just drink. They don't, do nothing. They, don't, they don't bother nobody. They don't bother nobody. They just drink. That's all they do is drink. Some of us ran with those crowds. Some of us ran with the, with the party crowd. How many of y'all used to run with the party crowd? I see a few of y'all. Y'all party hardy. Get off, get off work on Friday. Get off work on Friday. Hit the road if you have to. For the party. Y'all young people see all these grown folks laughing. Y'all see these grown folks laughing? 
They got, they got a story. They got a story. But you see where they are now? What, what they're saying is you can save yourself a lot of time and trouble. Just, just stay up in here. Just stay up in here. Amen. There's a party crowd. They just go from party to party to party. They leave one party, go to the after party. Then the after party party. They take the party over to the IHOP. They take the party over to Denny's, or Waffle House. <laughs> Find an old empty parking lot. They're gonna, just going to party. Some people ran with the promiscuous crowd. Whoa. So it's sometimes the same crowd. They, the Venn diagram, they just sets and subsets, they all kind of mix together. Some of y'all win all these crowds, huh? <laughs> Praise God. Some people ran with, with, with the, just the troublemaker crowd. You ever seen a troublemaker crowd? Tough. Just, just causing trouble. Old Pete coming out of you. Making trouble. Stirring up trouble. Some of us didn't run with those crowds. Some of us ran with the religious crowd. Religious crowd. Been in church all your little life. PKs. Little preacher's kids. Just did everything right as far as people knew. Nobody knew all your stuff. But you knew how to you knew how to review a Sunday school lesson. You know how to give your Easter speech. Christmas speeches, right? Christ was born on Easter Day. Jokes go about about say that way. Right? You knew how to do all the religious things. So all of us have run with various crowds. Legalistic crowds or really the loose church crowd. Until something happens. We have an encounter with Jesus that changes our lives. And when your life gets changed, not only does your life change, but your crowd changes. Be not deceived, evil company corrupts good manners. So when you hang with the wrong kind of people, listen to me everybody, when you hang with the wrong kind of people, in the wrong crowd, here's another saying, birds of a feather flock together. Proverbs 13, 22, he that walks with the wise will be wise, but the companion of fools, didn't say will be a fool, will be destroyed. So who you walk with tells me a lot about who you are and where you're going. And every one of us can attest at some point we walked with the wrong crowd. But I'm so thankful today that I'm walking with the right crowd. I'm in the household of faith among believers tonight. Who are going to live holy? Somebody shout holy. Going to live right. Shout I'm living right. Matter, matter of fact, shout, I'm, I'm good company. You got to say that. You about yourself. I'm good company. I'm the kind of person you want to be with. 
I'm the kind of person you want to be around. Because I don't have time for, for games. I don't have time for playing around. I don't have time for messing up. I'm too old to slip. You hit a certain age, you figure if I slip, I might not make it back in there. <laughs> to... <laughs> too close. Uh-uh, no, 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 no. I mean, you get off on the wrong exit, boy, you and I get back on that thing here. But we're in the right crowd now. And what happened? Jesus came into our lives. He changed our lives. One of the things that we're going to be uh, introducing here, uh, launching on the 13th of this month, is our Jesus Changed My Life movement. Where we're going to be encouraging everybody to begin to really, really, really develop and share your testimony. And really, as a church, evangelize this city and this region in ways that we have never done before. Because there are people all around us who are lost, they're hurting, they're depressed, they're, um, some of them, many of them are in sin, and they don't want to be. You know there are people who are strung out, they don't want to be strung out, but they don't know how to fix it. People who are, you know, that crowd we used to run in, that's why the Bible talks about, you know, of such were some of you. But you were washed, but you were sanctified, you were justified, right? So we were something. We were in those wrong crowds, and somehow we escaped the corruption that's in the world. Thank God for it. But there are more people out there who need to escape, and they, they don't know how to escape. Somebody's got to open the door for them. So for you and me, that's our assignment, our job. That's why we're having this weekend this evangelism uh, training workshop. It's so imperative. It's such a big deal in my heart. In fact, I mean, it's, you know, I'm preaching on divine arrangements. Yes. This is how, how, how just super God is in directing and ordering our steps. As we begin to plan out this whole uh, movement about Jesus changing my life and what we needed to do, I get a call out of the blue from Dr. Daniel Bernard. It says, hey, uh, I'd like to come, you know, if you're interested to come to your church and do a training on helping people learn how to develop and write and present their testimonies in a way to win people to Jesus Christ. I'm like, you, are you serious? Yeah. That's exactly what we need to do for our, for our movement. And I don't have to call him. He called me. So I know God is ordering this. He's ordaining this. Psalm 37, 23, the steps of a good man. Or by the Lord, he delights in his way. So, uh, I'm excited about what's happening this weekend. That's why I really, really, I mean, if you allow it, I, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you show up for this uh, uh, workshop this weekend. Amen? Amen? All right, now, why we're doing this is because you and I come from the wrong crowds, and now we're in the right crowds. And so every one of us, our experiences that we had have been material for, or they are material for testimonies. And I want you to know that your testimony is the single most powerful tool you have to win people to Jesus Christ. In Matthew 28 and 19, the Bible says, Jesus tells us, uh, go ye therefore, go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, 
So I want you to understand this is not a recommendation, a suggestion. We call this the great commission. It's the great commission. You and I have been given a commission. Hallelujah. Those of you in the military, been in the military, you have NCOs and then you have COs, right? See, NCOs are non-commissioned officers. They have ranks and they have titles and so forth, but they don't compare to uh, COs, commissioned officers. You and I are commissioned officers in the kingdom of God. Angels are the NCOs. We are the COs, the commissioned officers in the kingdom of God. Are you hearing that tonight? We've been given a commission. It's to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Look at Mark, Mark chapter 16, verse 15. Mark 16, verse 15. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel, come on, to every creature. Are y'all okay tonight? Yes, so who is this for? Pastors? Apostles? Prophets, evangelists, teachers? No, it's for everybody. It's for your person sitting next to you, the person sitting behind you. And you. To go into all the world and preach the gospel. Now, you and I may not be able to go to Australia. This girl came to our door today talking about, I'm trying to go to Australia. I said, well, why would you want to go to Australia? Selling magazines. You know, the people who want to sell magazines. Why would you want to go to Australia? I'm trying to win a prize, go to Australia. Why would you want to go there? Man, they, they locking people down for going in the grocery store. No. Then she's talking about, well, don't you, you go places? I said, yeah, I don't like to travel. She said, you want to go to Europe? I said, nope. <laughs> what? You don't want to go to Europe? Nope. I'm not going to go over there and get locked up. If I'm going to get locked up, I'm going to get locked up right here in St. Petersburg, Florida, on 49th Street. I can call one of these bail bondsmen, come get me up out of here. Don't get locked up abroad. I've seen that TV show, Locked Up Abroad. No, I don't want to be locked up abroad. No, sir. <laughs> so we may not be able to go into all the world, but you can go into your part of the world. You remember, in, remember the story uh, about Nehemiah when they rebuilt the wall of Jerusalem? How long it took them to rebuild the wall? 52 days, supernatural. It would have taken them 52 weeks. They did it 52 days, supernatural. But do you understand how they did that so quickly? The Bible says every man worked in front of his own house. Every man worked in front of his own house. What would happen in our community if every person worked in front of their own house? In other words, you made, you made your own street your vineyard. Before we're trying to go all over Africa and India and Pakistan and Afghanistan, what about in your own neck of the woods? Put up Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus said, but you shall receive power after or when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses, martyrs, in other words, giving of your life to me in where? Jerusalem. Where were they when he said this? 
I'm t- I, I just told you they were in Jerusalem. Man, I know the story. Hopefully you know the story. Right? This is his own base. So he says, so be witness to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and then Samaria and to the end of the earth. So he didn't start with the end of the earth first. He went in order. Start at home and then grow, grow, grow. See, so you and I, when the Bible says go into all the world, I don't feel like I'm called a, you know, Ethiopia. Great. <laughs> but can you handle the people that's on your job? Your Jerusalem that you are around every single day. Everybody doesn't have the grace to be missionaries on a foreign field. It's a special grace. Deacon Gershwin and I, we went to Africa, boy, we got shot. Boy, the sugar got shocked out of us. If there was any sugar in our uh-uh, no. No diabetes come back, boy. The sugar going right out of our blood. We got over there, boy. We got off the plane, for, boy. We, we on the road trying to get to where we're supposed to be. We're going to be doing this meeting for a week or so. And, uh, boy, the first place we stopped over in the middle of the night, we, I, we slept. It was like a chicken coop. Wasn't it, Deacon Gershwin? Like this chicken coop. Oh, that mercy. Uh, Anywhere we can get a shower first? Oh, yeah, yeah, we got Because you get a shower. <laughs> so we've been traveling, pro, what, 24 hours, essentially? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trying to wash off ice cold water. Just get the hot spots. Get in and get out. <laughs> I could go on and on and on the stories about, um, put like this, when I got back to Florida, when I got back to the ground, they pulled the droppers off right here, I kissed the ground. I literally got out, got on my knees and kissed the ground. I'm very happy to be here. I'm in America. So we have a commission to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's our mandate. Everybody may not be in the pulpit preaching, but every one of us is called to go out there and preach the gospel to every creature to win souls. I was telling the Lord uh, right at the beginning of this fast, I said, Lord, I I really want to apologize to you because I've come short. I've I've been saved 30 years more. And I said, I've not outside of the church led more than 30 people to Christ. You understand, as a pastor, my ministry is mainly in the church, and so I've led, I don't know how many people to Christ in the church, but outside, in the barbershop, in the grocery store, you know, at the donut shop, at the car wash. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't mean to bring up food. But just, you understand what I'm saying, in school. And there are some I have. Some I led to Christ early on. But in the last, you know, 20 years, once I really started pastoring, I I focused so much on pastoring. And I really just, God, I repent about that because that's your heartbeat. 
I know y'all not really excited about this part. But I'm telling you, that's the heartbeat of God. I think it's in the 18th, 18th chapter of Ezekiel where God says, all souls are mine. All souls are mine. So God's absolute heartbeat is to get every human being. Jesus Christ didn't just die for a handful of people. He died, the Bible says, for the sins of the whole world. He died for the sins of the whole world. And so, I mean, I, I, just, I just really repented. And, and my prayer is that every one of you all tonight, by the time you get, lay, lay your head on your pillow, you will have said, well, Lord, wait a minute, let me count. How many souls have I actually won to you who I say is so good and so awesome and so loving? Now, remember, I'm not picking on you because I just had to go through this. So I'm just saying, but my hope is you all follow me in this, that you get stirred like I got stirred and said, wait a minute. No, I got to get on the good foot here. Because when I leave this planet, I can't take a car with me. I can't take a, a house with me. I can't take a belt with me. I can't take shoes with me. I can't take any jewelry with me. All I can take is these souls and say, Lord, thank you. Here are these souls I'm presenting to you. That's the heartbeat of God. Tell your neighbor, that's the heartbeat of God. God is after souls. Tell them, God is after souls. He went after you. He's after souls. You understand that? And I know for me, uh, I'll just be quite frank with you. Man, I got to speed up. I'll be quite frank with you. At the beginning of this whole pandemic and as things progressed and I saw how the church is kind of going this kind of, not our church, I'm the church, universal. It's kind of going this place like, wow. I started thinking, man, this, this thing seemed like it's over, man. Like there ain't no need in trying anything because... Ain't nobody ever going to step for the church again. And God had to really rattle me out of that. No, I'm not done. I'm not done. Maybe those ones who were in church are never coming back. Remember the story, Jesus, the parable he gave of the man who made the great feast for his son? Remember the Bible says a king arranged a, a, a wedding for his son? Remember I read that last week. You keep reading the story, and he said, okay, hey, the, everything's ready. Go and bring in all the ones I've invited. I've invited those ones to come. Bring them. And they went out to get them, and they, everybody, one by one, made excuse. I can't come. I just, I just built the house. I can't come. I just bought a new boat. I can't come. I got married. I can't come. I just got this. I, I got all kind of reasons why I can't come now because, you know, now because of COVID, I can't come. And, you know, all these kind of things people got why they can't come to, to serve God or be in the house of God. He said, okay, tell you what, forget about all them. Go in the hedges, go on the highways, find the sick, find the lame, find the halt, find the blind, find the maimed, and bring all of them in that my house may be full, filled. Filled, King James says full, okay? My house may be filled. So God wants his house filled with people. Well, who's going to get them? The king didn't go out. He sends his people out to go get him. He says, all those ones who refused, who, who didn't have time, they decide I ain't coming back to church. He said, take them all, all them up, bind them. Put the next scripture up, verse 24. None of those men who were invited shall taste my supper. Keep going. 
Okay, that's, that's dumb. Another, another place talks about how you bind them all up, throw them into the pit. They ain't got time for me, ain't got time for them. Ooh-wee. You saying people not come back to church, they're going to hell? I'm not telling you that. What I'm saying is God has work to do. He's looking for those who are going to work with him. He was helping me to realize that he's not done. And I want you to realize God's not done. And some people who you thought would never come to church, never get saved, are in a place right now where they're hopeless. Why are they hopeless, Deke? Because they got their shot. And then they got the booster. Then they got another booster. And it still ain't working. Now they tell them we're going we to lose 50,000 people over the next couple of months. They tell them now we're going to lose about 50,000 to 300,000 people we're going to lose, lose in America. That's, what, that's the news that they put out. They report we're going to lose between 50 and 300,000 people. People in fear, people scared. They're hopeless. The economy's going crazy. Depression is on an all-time high. And guess who has the answers? We do. My God. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Everybody say, Lord, use me. Now, so if he's going to use us, here's what I want you to know. You may not yet be well-versed in Scripture. You may not know the Romans' rule. In fact, I don't know the Romans' rule. I only, I only talk about the Romans' rule because I heard all my Baptist friends talk about the Romans' rule. How many of y'all Baptist people learned about the Romans' rule? Y'all grew up Baptist. One, two, three, four, five, six of y'all learned the Romans' rule. Were y'all all Baptists? Okay, well that, maybe that's just a Baptist thing. As culture, we didn't learn about the Romans' road. We just learned about Jesus, 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 call him, call him, call him. Let go, let it go, let it go, let it go. Hold on, hold on, hold on, let go, let go, hold on, hold on. That's all we need. We know what to hold on or let go. Hold on or let go. Hold on or let go. We know what to do. That's what I know. That's what we call tarry service. I know about tarry. How many of I know about tarry service? Okay. All right. So, even though you're not well-versed in scriptures and may not know the Romans road and may not know, you know, Romans 10, 9, and 10 and all the kind of things, all these techniques, what God has given you is a testimony. If you are now in the right crowd, you have a testimony. And your testimony is the most powerful tool. See, because here's the thing. Even when you share the gospel, you share stories about what God did for Abraham, what God did for Isaac, what God did for David, what God did for Jonah, and what God did for so-and-so. They don't know them, but they know you. They know you. And when you tell them what Jesus Christ has done for you, I tell you, last night we, were, we had a recording session over next door. We were recording some videos for uh, this whole 
uh, movement that we're embarking upon. And I, I tell you, all, every testimony was just so powerful. Every single one that I heard was so, was so powerful. <laughs> yeah, Lydia's laughing. So I'm sitting over there crying. I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> Lord, thank you for what you did for these people, Lord. Thank you. You know, this, this is great. Because when, when, when God changes somebody's life, it is powerful. what I'm talking about in here. When you know somebody, God has genuinely changed their lives. It's powerful. I don't mean to be no water bucket, but you know, good gracious. Hallelujah. So your personal experience, your testimony about how Jesus Christ changed your life is the most powerful resource that you have. And God will give you these kind of transformative experiences that are designed to change your life and change other people's lives who now hear about it. Okay? So let's look at Luke chapter 7. Luke 7. This story, you all, we read this the other day, right? Everybody trying to keep up with your reading? I'm trying not to give you too much. You're still reading Proverbs. All your other daily devotionals and all your little scriptures that come up on your little social, oh, you're not on social media, but your other little, <laughs> whatever you, you're doing. Luke 7. All right, look at what it says, verse 11. Now it happened the day after. The day after. So the day after what? Well, it's worth it for us to go back and see what happened the day before. The day before, Jesus Christ heals this centurion's servant. In verse 1, it says, now when he had concluded all his sayings in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. What's Capernaum mean? Seaside, Seaside village of comfort. This is, this is a luxury area here, all right? And this, look at what happened. And a centurion servant, a certain centurion servant. So this is a, 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 a luxe place, and this man is a high-ranking official. He's a royal official, okay? But here's his problem. His servant who was dear to him, his, who was dear to him, was sick and ready to die. Stage four. But we'll see the power of God. He was sick and ready to die. So, we, so watch this, verse three. So when he heard about Jesus, bam. How did he hear about Jesus Christ? Not on the news. Not on, not on CNN, not on social media. Somebody had to testify about this man. Somebody had to say, I met this man and he changed my life. Or I saw this man and I saw him do all kinds of miracles and signs and wonders. And I think you need to hear about this man yourself. Because this centurion, who's a Roman official who they are uh, occupying the land, has to come down off his high horse and seek help from Jesus. And it says he pleaded with him to come and heal his servant. Now, I don't have time to go through the entire story. You know what happens. People begin to talk about how, you know, this man is wonderful, he's worthy, and so forth. But Jesus went with them, and the man then sends out a message, hey, I'm not worthy. Don't come to my house. Just send a word only because I know how this works. I tell one man to jump and he say how high. 
you know, I tell the other man, you know, go down, you say how low and all that. You know what I'm saying? All this kind of I'm making that up, but you can read the story for yourself. And in verse 9, it says, when Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him and turned around and said to the crowd that followed him, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And those who were sent, verse 10, returning to the house, found the servant well who had been sick. Now, we read another, another uh, account of this in the other Gospels, and it'll say, Jesus says, go your way, your servant is healed. And when they went back, the man's servant was healed. Now, where are they again? The Capernaum. Now it happened the day after. The day after this miracle, this centurion's servant had been healed in Capernaum. And so the disciples, we know they were with Jesus. But obviously other folk, remember this, there's a crowd of people talking about, hey, you know, this come and heal this man, he's worthy, so forth. Now what happens, let me, I'm going to show you something here. Verse 11 the day after that, that he went into a city called Nain, and many of his disciples went with him, and what? A large, a large crowd. Now, where that large crowd come from? That large crowd had seen what had happened. This, loud, this crowd grew because they had witnessed the power of Jesus Christ. Now, it was so compelling. Watch this. You'll see this in a minute. In fact, you'll see it right now. Nain was 25 miles away from Capernaum. Okay, let me, y'all don't get it. Right. Nain was 25 miles away from Capernaum. And it says, the day after. You got to really be impressed. Really be moved by some man to walk. There's no party bus. There's no Ubers and Lyfts. No cabs. To walk on foot 25 miles in one day. Now, you know, I, I'm sitting there doing the math. I'm like, now me, I, I like to walk. That's my thing. I walk. I enjoy uh, walking by confession. I confess I enjoy walking, right? And, and uh, but 25 miles. My normal day when I walk is about five miles. That's my target every day is five miles to walk. I remember one day, I, I, uh, I, I took a different, different route, and uh, woo-wee. And I wasn't thinking about what I was doing. It was, I had a day off, and I'm just kind of walking, just meditating, and just, and, and I looked up, and by the time I, I got to the, near the, near the, Near my farthest point out of my route, I was already five miles. I'm like, oh, Lord. My farthest point out it means I got to still go back home. And I was like, oh, Jesus. It got so bad, I mean, I started sweating. I was like, I was this close because I happened to have money on me. To ask it, it was some construction workers out there. I was like, could you give me a ride home? I was, I was so tempted. I, I made it home just staggering. I was like, oh my God. By the time I done, it was like nine, nine and a half miles. I'm like, and here we got Dr. Liz. 
You had your father's walk the other day, uh, a couple weeks ago, was it? How long, how far did you walk? 22 miles. How long did that take you? A little over six hours. And she's doing it for fun. I mean, I mean for whatever, <laughs> challenge or whatever. I don't, know, I don't know what her inspiration was. Huh? Okay, now, now think about this. You're walking, we're walking in St. Pete on paved roads, sidewalks, grass. They're walking in the hill country. Dusty roads. From Capernaum, they head southwest to to Nain, through rough terrain, in sandals, not in, you know, New Balance that's designed for your feet, you know, custom. But it was so compelling that the crowd grew along the way. Now, I imagine as they're walking, good night. They're, in 25 miles of walking, which probably took them 10 hours because they're walking on rough terrain and crowds, can you imagine the teachings that they heard? Can you imagine the other miracles that they saw along the way? They weren't all walking with headphones on. <laughs> they're listening to the teacher. They're teacher in the presence of Jesus. So they're walking. He's teaching them about faith, teaching them about the kingdom of God, talking. They're seeing miracles. About, you know, John said in John 21, he said, if, if all the miracles Jesus Christ did were written, all the volumes of the, of the book were written, he said, this world will not be able to hold all the books. You know, we read a lot of miracles in here, but the, he said if every miracle Jesus did was written, the whole world couldn't hold all the books. And I imagine on this 25-mile trek, some things happen. But they arrive at this place called Nain. And as they're nearing the gate of the city, this, this other large crowd is coming out. Name means beauty. So they're heading from Seaside Village of Comfort to beauty. This is all beautiful area. There. And they get there, and here comes this widow woman leading this funeral procession, and with her is also a large crowd. The Bible is very specific here in the New King James Version to point out on both, both sides, Jesus had a large crowd with him, they're growing in faith. They're probably singing songs. They're having a good time. They're enjoying the journey. You got to be doing something good to go 25 miles. And uh, they're just having a good time. And all of a sudden, they encounter. When I first read this, I thought about the movie, uh, the old movie West Side Story. Y'all so young. I said West Side Story. Y'all like, y'all are young. Yo, it's, it's old musical. These compete opposing gangs, opposing. 
Anyway, so you see this large crowd with Jesus, faith, miracles, signs, wonders. And then it comes a large crowd out of the gates, weeping, wailing, mourning, broken, coming out of beauty with an ugly situation. Notice what the Bible says. This is a widow. And this is her only son. Now, if you understand biblical time economics, a widow would be taken care of by her children. Because women couldn't just run down to the local uh, temp agency and get a job. It didn't, didn't exist. So if her children didn't take care of her, she was left in abject poverty. And the Bible says this was her only son. So this is an ugly situation in a beautiful city. And watch what happens. Watch. The Bible says in verse 12, verse 12, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a dead man was carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a large crowd from the city was with her. So this large crowd was with her, okay? Now, we know they're making all the noise because uh, that's what they do in funerals. They don't, they're not just walking around just like, okay, hold on, mother. They're all mourners. These are mourners. Some of y'all remember, what was, the, was it on uh, Good Times, Weep and Wander? <laughs> Weep and Wander, boy, on Good Times. Now, what happens here, this is Jesus coming here. Now, remember, your Bible in the book of Acts calls Jesus Christ the Prince of Life. So what you have, this encounter, this collision between the Prince of Life and his crowd, and two victims of death and that crowd. Two victims of death. No, there were two victims of death. The son and the mother were both victims. The son died. But because she was a widow, she might as well die. So there are two victims of death, but they have an encounter. Somebody just shout, turn around. In other words, it's so dire, it's so desperate, and as far as they know, it's hopeless. They're not on their way to, to see Jesus Christ. They're on their way to the cemetery to go bury the son. It's, this is it. It's over. And my life is over. And the only possibility is that maybe the community would have had some sympathy for her and said, we're going to take up a little collection and help mama along the way a little bit. But when Jesus Christ encounters them, look, look at verse 13. When the Lord saw her, when the Lord saw her, how did you get saved? The Lord saw you. How did your life get turned around? The Lord saw you. He saw you in your desperate situation. He saw you in your dire need. He saw you blind. He saw you naked. He saw you bloody. He saw you trapped. He saw you afflicted. He saw you addicted. He saw you and he had compassion on you. Yeah. 
No, 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 that's not happened. I cried out to God. Let me educate you on something. No man comes to the Father except the Spirit of the Lord draws him. I'm going to come on this side. Because you thought you was all that because you cried out to God. No man comes to the Father except the Spirit of God draws him. So what happened was he had to first see you. I found Jesus. You didn't find Jesus. He found you. He wasn't lost. You and I were lost. I was lost. How I found Jesus and I'm glad. Let me help you, baby. You didn't find him. He found me. He saw me. He saw me in my, in my religious self. I wasn't ever strung out on drugs. I was never no alcoholic, but I was a good religious boy who had a title of preacher's kid. Everybody thought this was a wonderful child. Everybody wants their son to marry him. They just didn't know. Under all this cuteness was a monster. I'm just going to tell you the truth. <laughs> and I tell you the story about how that one Sunday I found myself at the altar crying out to God well it wasn't because I found him it's because he found me and he had compassion on me because you can't come to him unless he draws you he draws you to him and I, that, that's why we pray for people when we see them. We say, Lord, draw on their heart. See somebody struggling, staggering down the street, stammering. See somebody on, in life falling down. See somebody in life, they look, look like they're broken. Don't write them off. Let's not write them off. Lord, draw on their hearts. Hallelujah. We should have been written off. So Jesus saw her and had compassion on her because she would, would have been defenseless and doomed to poverty. All right, so remember now we got two contrasting crowds here. One crowd is joyful. One crowd is hearing the word. One crowd is building faith. One crowd is seeing miracles. The other crowd is grieving. They're wailing, They're helpless, looking at this woman's plight. The thing about it is too many people in this world are running with the wrong crowd. Just like we were. And God wants to use our testimonies about how God took us out of the wrong crowd and put us in the right crowd. Tell your neighbor, you're in the right crowd. So again, verse 13 says, when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, do not weep. Okay? Now let me keep going for sake of time here. Verse uh, 14. Watch this. Watch, watch Jesus. Everybody say, watch Jesus. Watch Jesus. Say, I love Jesus. I love Jesus. Says, then he came and touched the open coffin. The thing King James says the beer. B-I-E-R, right? He came and touched the open coffin. That's what a beer is, in case you KJV people don't know. It's an open coffin. 
Like if you were to see people over, like over in India, even today when they die, they don't put them in an open casket, I mean a closed casket like we do with, you know, roses and all that kind of stuff and a picture of, you know, June bug on the back of it. and <laughs> It's an open, you follow what I'm saying? And let me, I, I, won't miss, I don't want you to miss this. He touched the open coffin. This is why I told you, told you to say I love Jesus. Because in touching this coffin, Jesus Christ, who is priest, rabbi, he breaks all protocols. He actually violated Levitical law to do something about this woman's situation. What do you mean, Pastor? Because under Levitical law, you were not allowed as a priest, as a rabbi, as a teacher, to even come near a dead body. In fact, the Bible said if you were the high priest, you couldn't even come near your father or mother's dead body. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Wow, that's powerful. You remember when Jesus, the man Jesus said, tells a guy, hey, I'm going to come and follow you. And he, Jesus said, come and follow me, man. He said, hey, let, let me first go bury my father. Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead. You follow me. He's inviting him into the priesthood. You're, you're going to become a royal priesthood, and the new order is you don't deal with that. And here, Jesus is, watch this, watch this. He's breaking protocol, violating Levitical law, because he's showing us there's about to be a change in the priesthood. Levitical law, they couldn't touch it, but he's saying, I'm not a Levite. Put up Hebrews 7. Put up Hebrews 7 real quick. I got to go through this. Hebrews 7 verse 11. I'm, I'm going to read real quick. Media, help me out. Read, I'm going to read real quick. Hebrews 7 verse 11 through 19. 11 through 19. Therefore, perfection were through the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law. What further need was there that another priest should rise according to the order of Melchizedek and not be called according to the order of Aaron. Aaron was the, uh, the, the, that's the Levitical priesthood father. Okay? For the priesthood being changed of necessity, there is also a change of the law. Keep going, please. Hallelujah. For he of whom these things are spoken belongs to another tribe. He's talking about Jesus. He belongs to another tribe from which no man has officiated at the altar. Keep going, please. For it is evident that our Lord arose from Judah, Judah of which tribe Moses spoke nothing concerning priesthood. Wow. He's breaking all that. Remember the man, the leper, who cried out, Lord, if you can do anything, to, uh, uh, save me, Lord. If, and Jesus said, he said, uh, no, he's, his question, he said, Lord, if you're willing you can make me clean. And Jesus said, I'm willing, and he touched him. 
You couldn't touch a leper? But he said, I'm breaking that tradition. I'm breaking that stranglehold, and I'm introducing a whole new priesthood. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Keep going. It is, it is yet far more evident if in the likeness of Melchizedek there arises another priest who has come not according to the law of a fleshly commandment, but according to the power of an endless life. Uh, keep going, please. For he testifies, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. For on the one hand, there is an annulling of the former commandment because of, the weak, of its weakness and unprofitableness. For the law made nothing perfect. On the other hand, on the other hand, there is the bringing in of a better hope through which we draw near to God. Jesus Christ brought in a better hope of which we draw near to God. So to touch this coffin, this dead man, remember Jairus? He went right there in the room with Jairus. With his, with his daughter. You couldn't do that as a, as a priest. He's saying, I'm breaking all that. Y'all got a few more minutes. Y'all sure it's 9 o'clock. Y'all sure? Okay. Okay. All right. So, look at verse, go back to Luke 7. So, he came and he touched the open coffin, and those who carried him stood still. Well, yeah. Why? They're in shock. What you doing? What are you, what are you doing touching this? this? This what is rabbi? Jesus was dressed as a rabbi. You understand that? They're shocked. What is going on here? And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. This man is talking to a dead man. This man is talking to a dead man. He's touching his. This man don't know anything about Levitical priesthood. <laughs> Watch this. What happened? So he who was dead sat up and began to speak. Remember, this is bad off. For this woman, for the dead man, for sure, it's pretty bad off. Everybody in town. But they're going to see a miracle that's going to change all their lives. And so when he spoke to that dead man, the Bible says, he who was dead sat up and began to speak. Can I give you a scripture? John 5, 4, 5 uh, 24 and 25. John 5, verse 24 and 25. This is why this is happening. This is what I'm believing God is going to happen as you and I go and speak to dead people. I'll come over here. So you got it. Let's see if y'all can catch it. As you and I go and speak to dead people. You going to the graveyard? No, I'm not talking about you going to the graveyard. I'm talking about you and I were dead in trespasses and sins. Before you get saved, you are dead in trespasses and sins. So anybody out there is not saved, they're dead. Verse 24 of John 5 says this, Most assuredly I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who, who sent me has everlasting life and shall, come, shall not come 
into judgment, watch this, but has passed from death into life. That's what happened to you and me. We passed from death into life. Adam, the first man, passed from life into death. But you and I, when we get born again, we pass from death into life. Now watch verse 25. Most assuredly I say to you, the hour is coming and now is. Somebody say right now. And now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. So you and I, our expectation must be that when we go out and we preach or we share and we release the voice of Jesus, the testimony of Jesus, that when they hear that testimony, when they hear that voice, the dead will hear it and they will live. Dead in sins, dead in trespasses, dead in adultery, dead in addiction, dead in every kind of sin you can name, dead in homosexuality, dead in whatever it is. But when they hear the voice of the Son of God, they will hear, come on, and they will live. Somebody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. They will live. How you know? Look at you. You used to be dead. You used to be dead. And you heard the voice of the Son of God. Well, no, somebody else witnessed to me. That's right. They witnessed with the voice of the Son of God. The testimony of Jesus Christ is the spirit of prophecy. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Ezekiel, can these dry bones live? Lord, you know, prophesy to them. Let me finish this up here. So watch what happens here. So verse 15, Luke 7, verse 15. So he who was dead set up and began to speak. Why? Because the dead will hear his voice and live. Is that what happened to Lazarus? Yes. Is that what happened to, um, to uh, uh, Jairus' daughter? Yes. Is that what happened to, to uh, Dorcas? Yes. When Peter's, is that what happened to, to Eutychus? Remember he fell out the window? Paul was preaching all night. Y'all mad if I go a whole hour and a half. Paul was preaching all night to the breaking of day. Young man, young man found the window dead. Boop. Paul said, don't worry about it. He's, he's not dead. He's sleeping. That joker dead. Eutychus dead. He said, get up, Eutychus. He got up. Now, he was dead. But the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and live. Let me, search, let me even stretch your faith. I believe God will use you and me in this time that literal dead people will hear the voice of the Son of God through you and they will live. Do y'all believe that tonight? Don't fool me. How many of y'all really believe that? That we've stepped over to a time of supernatural, unusual miracles. The wonderful works of God will be on display through you, God's people. Wow, that's going to get the world's attention, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, let's wrap it up here. And he presented, watch this, I like this, and he presented him to his mother. I like that. He presented him 
to his mother. That means that made him a present. Jesus made this son a present to his mother. I've got something for you. Now let me ask you a question. Do you think that changed her life? Obviously it changed the son's life. What about that large crowd? To witness what they had just seen, they went from weeping, wailing, mourning, to rejoicing, believing, expecting. They joined another crowd. All right. Now watch what happens. Verse 16 and 17. Then fear came upon all, and they glorified God, saying, fear came upon all. All. That's both crowds. See, so now this two crowds is now one big crowd. That's God's goal. It's to get all those the wrong crowd to join the right crowd. That means you and I in the right crowd got to stop hanging out in the wrong crowd. You and I who are in the right crowd got to stop hanging out in the wrong crowds. But we're going to be so compelling that we're going to cause those who are in the wrong crowds to abandon the wrong crowd and get over here in this right crowd. Say, I'm in the right crowd. Fear came upon all and they glorified God. They glorified God. They glorified God. Saying a great prophet has arisen, has risen up among us. And... God has visited his people. Verse 17 is the clincher. And this report about him went throughout all Judea and all the surrounding region. This report. So I want to tell you that as you go out and you begin to minister, I want you to see yourself as a reporter. I don't know how to preach. Just report. I don't know the Romans road. Just report. I don't know all the scriptures. Just report. I can't remember book, chapter, verse like so and so. Just report. Report what? Report the news about him. Tell people about Jesus. Well, what about Jesus? I don't know everything about Jesus. Do you know what he did for you? You know, you didn't just change. You didn't just change on your own. Jesus changed you. And your job, my job, is simply just go out and report. Just tell the news. Hallelujah. Media, put up Luke 4, 35 through 37. Just read these. I'm going to keep going. Luke 4, 35 through 37. Hallelujah. But Jesus rebuked him, saying... Be quiet and come out of him. Remember that man who was blessed with the devil? Yes? yes? Okay. And when the demon had thrown him in, in their midst, it came out of him and did not hurt him. Keep going. Then they were all amazed and spoke among themselves, saying, What a word is this? For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. Watch this. And the report about him went out into every place in the surrounding region. Somebody just say, I'm a reporter. I report good news about Jesus, how he changed my life. Is that easy or what? 
Matthew 9, 30 and 31. Matthew 9, 30 and 31. Glory to God. And their eyes were open. This is the two blind men. And their eyes were open, and Jesus sternly warned them, saying, See that no one knows it. Don't, don't, don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody what I did for you. Keep it hush. Watch verse 31. But when they had departed, they start spreading the news about him in all that country. Now, I remember teaching on this one morning in prayer about how they were disobedient. But the point is, they spread the news. I'm telling you, your only job is just simply spread the news. You are a reporter. Say, I'm a reporter. I'm spreading the news. I'm, I'm giving my own personal witness. Last place, John 4.29. Not John 4.29. Remember the story in John 4 at the beginning? Jesus said, I must needs go through Samaria. And he was tired. And he sat at the well that Jacob had dug. This woman comes by to gather to get some water. And he asks her for a drink. And so on and so forth. We call it the woman at the well. And he was asked her, where's your husband? I don't have a husband. You have spoken well. You've had five husbands. The one you have right now is not your husband. And all kind of theories about what all that means. I'm not here to get into all that. But I want to get to this verse here. When she ran back to town, she said this, come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. If possible, could this be the Christ? Well, we know it was. And what does the Bible say? I don't, I'm trying to read the story, but the Bible says that they all believe at first because of her word. But then they came and they spent time with Jesus Christ and they said, hey, woman, and give her name. They said, at first we believe because of your word. They say, but now we believe him because of our own word. We got his word for ourselves. See, when you go out and you just simply report the news, just, re just report the news of what, come see a man. Not come see pastor. Don't come see my pastor. Come see a man, Jesus, who changed my life, who brought me out of darkness into the marvelous light, who got me over this addiction I had who changed me out of depression and guilt and shame and brokenness and abandonment and abuse and neglect and all the things that I had in my life. Come see a man. And at first they'll believe you because of, okay, your testimony. But then when they come spend time around Jesus, they're going to say, I believe him now because of what he's done in my life. And what will happen, it'll begin just to multiply and multiply and multiply. Because you tell somebody, they're going to tell somebody. And when Jesus Christ comes, when he cracks that sky, we'll be able to look back and say just a few were left behind and not most. And if anybody around us was left behind, it won't be because we didn't try. It won't be because we didn't report it. So our job is simply to report it. Report what? I'm in the right crowd now. And I want to get you in the right crowd. Amen. Amen. Did that bless anybody tonight? Yes. Why don't you give God a hand as you stand to your feet tonight? Hallelujah. Yes. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Yes. I know I've been changed. Yes. The angels in heaven done sign my name. Glory to God. 
I'm walking with Jesus now because he drew me to him. He drew every one of us in this place we're born against because he drew us to him. He wanted us, but he wants everyone. We know there are some wicked people who will never come. But it's not for us to make that predetermination about people. Our job is to report the news. If they take it, great. If they don't, just keep praying for them. Live God for them. And as we've said before, I learned this from Mama Alberta, that wherever we go, you see people just say, Lord, draw on their heart. The same way you draw on my heart, Lord, draw on their hearts so they can come to know Jesus Christ for themselves. Amen. Amen. Father, tonight, thank you so much for giving us this time in your word. Thank you so much for uh, the revelation that's come through your word tonight. I pray that every one of us in this place, including myself, that, God, we've all been stirred even more for this area of evangelism, for this, your very heartbeat, which is souls. God, the very reason why you sent Jesus Christ back uh, to come to this earth was because you wanted your family back. You wanted every soul back in your kingdom, Father. And God, we don't want to disappoint you. So we're in the family, but we know that, Father, there are millions of people, millions of people, even right here in this city, hundreds of thousands of people, Father, who don't know Jesus Christ as their Savior and as their Lord. And God, we ask you by your very spirit, the same way that you drew upon our spirits, that you would draw upon their spirits, our neighbors, our coworkers, classmates, wherever we go. God, even when we walk into the convenience store, just our presence, our presence, Lord, will begin to draw, cause people uh, to, to even ask questions that they'll see, Lord, glorious light shining in us, on us, through us. We pray, Father, I pray tonight that for these, your people, that, God, we would experience a, another level of boldness. Just lift your hands in this room, everybody. Father, we're praying that we receive right now tonight a level of boldness beyond our natural comfort level. Boldness, courage, confidence, a strong passion, a passion for souls, a passion for the lost, a passion for those who are dying, a passion for those who are in need. That, God, you give us a holy, a pure and holy passion, God, not for things, but for souls. For souls. God, the devil would gladly give us things if we just let go of the souls. That's what happened when Abraham ran into the king of Sodom. The king was willing to give Abraham all the stuff as long as he got the souls. God, that's the enemy's M.O. He'll let us enjoy life we have things. He won't even bother us about things if he can just have all the souls. But tonight, Father, we place a greater value on souls than anything we could ever have in this world. We're confident that you're the God who'll give us things if we seek first your kingdom. God, give us a holy passion, a desire like yours, eyes to see like yours, ears to hear like yours, your heart for souls. I pray that, Father, this ministry will be a salvation station. 
We do not write this city off. We do not write a generation off. We do not write children and youth and teenagers off. We do not write off people of any community. Thank you for open doors and opportunities to report the good news. And I pray, Father, that as we do that, we'll find that the harvest is already ripe, white, ready for the harvest. People will be ready to receive. Thank you for gifts of the Spirit operating in us. On demand for every occasion. And I thank you, Father, that this night we will continue to operate in your wisdom, in your power, and by your spirit. Now, I pray, Father, as we, as we prepare to leave this place, that you would go with us, be with us, continue to strengthen us with might by your spirit and our inner man. I pray supernatural and divine blessings and favor upon all these, your people, those that are here, those that are, that are home, God, that God will walk in your power, in your favor, and walk in divine health all days of our lives. Continue to keep us, Father. Bring us back, Lord. We look forward to a, the great time we'll have on Friday night and Saturday morning, Father. And on Sunday, God, do supernatural things in this place all weekend long. And God, we'll continue to give you the praise and the glory and all the honor we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 God bless you. We love you. We